We're so thankful to be here today. On the way out this morning, please pick up a copy of Macedonia's latest Focus on the Field magazine. They are absolutely free of charge. Please pick up one on the way out. If we run out of those, I'm sure we have some more in the van. Cassie would be glad to talk to you about the music since we've been in uh, missions full-time. God has worked through our CD sales to provide all of the gas in our vehicles. And if you're interested in any of the music, all the songs you ever hear me sing are primarily off of the CDs. And I hope that'll be a blessing to you. If you've found your place in Revelation chapter number 22, if you're able, would you please stand as we read the Word of God together. Revelation chapter 22, just one verse of Scripture that I simply could not get away from while seeking the Lord's will for the service this morning. That verse being verse number 17. The Bible says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. With our Bibles open, let's bow our heads, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, I pray you'd take the Word of God and do much more than just challenge us this morning. I pray you would change us that we may be more like thee. Lord, I'm nothing without you. I pray you'd cleanse me of sin and self and fill me with thy precious Holy Spirit. Make a preacher out of me, if you would please, and I'll give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please be seated. While zeroing in on this single verse of Scripture, I felt impressed of the Lord to preach on this thought, a thought that I could not get away from while seeking the Lord's will for the service this morning. Here in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17, I believe you and I see an invitation. I like to call this God's invitation to the nations. That's the title of my message this morning. God's invitation to the nations. Of course, this final book of the Word of God is called the Revelation. The word revelation stems from the Greek word apocalypse and simply means an unveiling. The word revelation literally means to show or to expose to view as the unveiling of a painting or a work of art is a revelation. This then, according to chapter number one and verse number one of the book, is the revelation of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. When you study this great book of the New Testament of the Bible, you'll discover that there is a key, a key which in turn unlocks our understanding to this book of the Bible, and God was kind enough to hang that key at the front door of the book. 
In Revelation chapter number 1 and verse 19, the Lord speaks to the writer of the book, John the Beloved, and he says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Here in this single verse of Scripture, we are given the structure of the entire book of the Revelation. In chapter number 1, John really did write about those things which he had seen. In chapters 2 and 3, while writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor, John wrote about those things which were at the present moment of his writing. And then beginning in Revelation chapter 4 and continuing through this, the final chapter of the book, John was inspired of the Holy Spirit of God to write about those things which shall be hereafter. That is to say, these are the events or the things, as John alluded to in the text, in chapters 4 through 22, that will begin after the church has been raptured from the earth and after the church age has drawn to a close. Of course, our key text this morning is taken from this final chapter of the book of the Revelation. And I love the way one Bible commentator insightfully put it while writing of Revelation chapter 22. He said, the last verses of this great book of Scripture are like the final movement of some great concerto in which we hear all of the instruments of the orchestra swelling with a flood of triumph. I say amen to that. And I say amen to that because I believe that to be the case here in Revelation chapter 22. In fact, by the time we reach the time frame of our text here this morning, the book of Revelation has taken us from the days of the early church in the past all the way into eternity, into the future. The Lord, through the prophetic pen of John the Beloved, has shown us how the church age will end. He has shown us how uh, that uh, tribulation will follow on the earth as jubilation follows in glory, as you and I who are saved finally see the Lord Jesus face to face. However, by the time we reach this final chapter in God's inspired Bible, you and I can see the culmination of those things that God would have us to see in the canon of Scripture. But just before God brings that canon to a close, here in the text he has just one more thing he'd like to say again to whosoever. A friend, it's almost as if John prepared to lay his pen aside and cease from writing that the Holy Spirit of God took him by the hand and said, wait just a minute, John. Before you put that pen aside, there's just a few more things God wants to say. In fact, here in verses 17 and beyond of Revelation chapter number 22, God inspired three last things that's worthy of our consideration this morning. Notice those three last things just quickly before we dig into verse 17. First of all, look in verses 20 and 21. Here in verses 20 and 21, you and I see a last word. 
God through the pen of John the beloved speaks one last time of grace in verse 21. But then he speaks one last time of glory in verse 20 by saying, even so come Lord Jesus. So yes, we see a last word, verses 20 and 21. Now notice if you would please verses 18 and 19. We see a last word, verses 20 and 21, but in verses 18 and 19, we see a last warning. John writes, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So we see a last word, verses 20 and 21. We see in verses 18 and 19 a last warning. But that brings us to one last thing here in Revelation 22 and 17. Here, ladies and gentlemen, we see one last welcome. The Bible says, and the spirit and the bride say come. And let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Many times in the preceding 26 books of the New Testament of the Bible, God through the pen of the writers has invited and in fact welcomed mankind to come and drink from the cool refreshing waters of the well of his salvation. And now just one more time, just one more time before he brings the canon of Scripture to a close, God does so yet again. Yes, here, ladies and gentlemen, we see one last welcome. In fact, I've always found it interesting while studying this verse of Scripture that here in Revelation 22 and 17, the Bible is actually packed. Here in this one verse, it's packed with what some Bible commentators have called one of heaven's favorite words. I'm talking about the word come. Pastor Pope, I believe, I personally believe it's one of the greatest words in all of the Bible. I believe with all of my heart it's one of the grandest words in all of the Bible. I'm talking about the word come. It was first heard in the days of Noah as God was about to rain judgment on a wrath that, on a world that had rejected him. After Noah and Noah's family had completed that ark and after salvation had been provided, God himself stepped inside that ark according to Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1 and then he turned to Noah and turned to Noah's family and God said, come. He said, come thou and all thy house into the ark. And again, and again, and again, all throughout both Old and New Testaments of the Word of God, God extends a hand of mercy and God extends a hand of grace and he says to a lost and dying world that had failed him, that had fallen short of his glory, 
God says to them, come. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus said in the latter portion of John chapter 6 and verse 37, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And now just one more time, just one more time before the writer of the New Testament of the Bible lays his prophetic pen aside. God says to the nations of this world, God says to your lost neighbor, God says to your lost friend, in fact if you're lost and undone without Jesus this morning, God says to you, just one more time God says, come. Notice just a few things directly from the text before we dismiss this morning. First of all, as we look into Revelation 22 and verse 17, notice the exhortation of the invitation. As you and I begin to dig into the truths in this verse of Scripture, we will discover that John writes of two different entities that are exhorted by God to proclaim His invitation for mankind to come unto Him for their soul's salvation. First of all, notice the Spirit is exhorted to proclaim God's invitation. Do you see it in verse 17? And the Spirit, capital S, P-I-R-I-T, that's the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit is exhorted to proclaim God's invitation to come. And so the Word of God is abundantly clear. The work of the Holy Spirit is not only to comfort and to conform the saints having been saved, but the work of the Holy Spirit initially starts by convicting the sinner before they are saved. And can I tell you why I'm so thankful about that this morning? Some of you are familiar with my testimony. I often say, when I was a little boy, I had a serious drug problem. My mom and daddy drugged me to church every time the doors were open. If anybody could have gotten to heaven from a church pew, listen, I was well on my way. I went to church nine months before I was even born. I cut my teeth, and I'm talking quite literally this morning. I cut my teeth on an old-fashioned Baptist hymnal. I'm telling you, if anybody could have gotten to heaven being a good little boy, I was well on my way. But one Sunday morning in the month of June in the year of 1974, a man of God took a blackback King James Bible and instead of telling me what I wanted to hear, he told me what I needed to hear. And about a quarter to 12 that Sunday morning, the Holy Ghost removed the blinders from my eyes. And for the first time, as I opened my ears of faith, I heard the Holy Spirit. Oh man, I still reminisce about that day. And every time I think about the Spirit inviting me to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, I get a little excited about that. I remember the day when He invited me to come. The Spirit is exhorted. The Spirit is exhorted to proclaim God's invitation. 
for mankind to come to Christ. But wait a minute, not only the Spirit. According to our key text, the saved. The saved are exhorted to proclaim God's invitation to come. And I say that because according to Revelation 22 and 17, not only does the Spirit say come, but the Spirit and who else? And the bride say come. That's those of us who are saved. In fact, God through the pen of John the Beloved so desired to drive the point of the saved proclaiming his invitation for mankind to come to Christ that he not only mentions us doing it once, he mentions us doing it twice here in this single verse of Scripture. And the reason that I say that is because he not only addresses the bride of Christ, but those that, watch your Bible, heareth God's invitation to come as well. Those same individuals are exhorted to extend God's invitation to come as well. And I believe with all of my heart, when you study the scriptures, you'll discover that word heareth speaks of those of us that have trusted Christ as our Savior. Because we when you consider that word heareth, it describes a welcomed reception to the message. Can I ask you a question? Do you remember when you welcomed God's invitation to come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Boy, I do. And now since I'm the one that's, I'm the one that's trusted Christ as my Savior, having received that invitation to come to Christ, now He wants to use me. Amen. That's why He wants to use you in VBS next week or the week after next. That's why He wants to use you to reach your lost name. Oh, God wants to use your pastor, but it isn't just the pastor that God wants to use. No, sir. God wants to use you. The Spirit and the bride, what are they saying? They're saying, come. Now, there are those that take Revelation 22 and 17 and say, well, listen, this is an invitation that is being extended to the Lord for the Lord to come again. And they take the earlier verses of this chapter and they use that as their premise for believing such a thing. But I believe with all of my heart, when you consider this verse in context, uh, from the first to the last of the verse, the appeal is for sinners to come to Christ for their soul salvation. And so we see the exhortation of the invitation. The spirit and the bride say come. Now, let's move on to consider secondly the extent of the invitation. Can I ask this question this morning? Who does God extend this invitation to? Well, first of all, according to our key text, God extends the invitation to the individual that is a thirst. John writes, and let him that is a thirst come. Oh, listen, and may God help us to realize afresh and anew every day of our lives 
as we go about our business in this spiritually barren desert in which we are living, it was none other than our Savior that said in John chapter 6 and verse 35, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst all the extent of the invitation. God extends the invitation to the individual that is a thirst. But wait a minute. Then God wanted to make absolutely perfectly clear that we understood that this life-changing invitation included absolutely everybody. Here in this single verse of Scripture, he takes the extent of his invitation to yet another level. Oh yes, he extends the invitation to the individual that is a thirst, but he goes on in this single verse of Scripture to extend this invitation to absolutely anybody. Do you know what Revelation 22 and 17 teaches us? Revelation 22 and 17 teaches us that it is absolutely impossible to hand out a gospel track to the wrong person. Revelation, boy, that makes a Calvinist mad, doesn't it? Revelation 22 and 17 teaches us that it is absolutely impossible to knock on the wrong door, to run a bus to the wrong neighborhood. God, listen, God extends this invitation to absolutely anybody. And let him that is a thirst come, so says the word of God, and somebody say those next two words for me. Whosoever will. This is the place in the scriptures that I like to call where the sovereignty of God has a head-on collision with the grace of God. And by the way, you don't have to be nervous when a preacher uses that word sovereign. It just means all-powerful. That's what that word sovereign means. And you better believe, you can believe in the sovereignty of God and still believe that Jesus died on the cross for whosoever. The words whosoever will in the text simply imply that whereas Jesus died for both the whosoever wills as well as the whosoever wants, it is only those who will take the water of life whose thirst will be quenched. Simply put, there is something that God sacredly guards all throughout the Bible. Do you want to know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. It is the will of man. God, listen, God may extend the invitation, but he will not force you to take the invitation. He will not force you to live for him and serve him after you accept the invitation. There is something that God sacredly guards all throughout the word of God and that is the will of man. If you came through this door this morning at the Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove, North Carolina, and you're thirsty, God offers you water. If you're hungry this morning, God offers you he that said, I am the bread of heaven. But he will not, he will not 
force you to drink and he will not force you to eat. But never, never, never let anybody try to convince you that Jesus died for some without laying his life down for all. The extent of the invitation. Jesus died for the world. That's why you have VBS. That's why you support world evangelism. That's why you reach your neighbors. That's why you hand out gospel tracts. Because it's God's will for all men everywhere to be saved. So we see the exhortation of the invitation. We see the extent of the invitation. Finally, one other thing. Notice the expense of the invitation. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life. Somebody say that next word for me. Freely. Freely. I'm talking about the expense of the invitation. Let him take the water of life freely. There's something, would to God, every born-again child of God would never lose sight of. I'm thankful that salvation is free. But there is a reason that it's free. And whereas it's free, it certainly wasn't cheap. The reason we can partake of the water of life freely is because the tremendous price that God demanded has already been satisfied with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I illustrate it this way? It was sometime during the seven years that I pastored the Calvary Baptist Church South where our good friend... Dr. Chris Hazlip, pastors. I can't remember. It was a birthday, pastor appreciation day. Someone in the church was kind enough to purchase me and my wife a gift certificate to the K&W cafeteria. Now, I think we need to fly, fly the flags a half mass since they've closed the K&W down. A friend of mine used to laugh at me all the time and he said preacher he said you know you are getting old when you love to go to the K&W cafeteria and I said well why do you say that he said well you do know what K&W stands for don't you I said no what does K&W stand for he said canes and walkers that's what I don't know if he is telling the truth about that or not but I'm telling you, young or old, I love the K&W cafeteria. And you know how it works at the K&W. You go through the line, you get your tray, you get your silverware. Boy, aren't we having a good time walking down memory lane this morning. <laughs> These were pre-COVID days. You get your tray, you get your silverware, and you go through the line at the K&W. And how many of you know, you, you better know, you better know what you're going to eat before you get up there. Because them little old ladies with the hairnets, now they'll chew you out. 
if you don't know what Cassie, ought, she would get so nervous. She'd be wringing her hands. I said, honey, what in the world's going on? She said, I just can't make up my mind what I'm going to eat today. I said, well, I'll tell you one thing. When we get up there and get our silverware, you are on your own because I'm not going to be chewed out by them little old ladies with the hairnets. They are paid to keep that line moving and whatever they got to do to do it, I assure you they're going to do it. And so you know how it works. You go down through the line and you get what you're going to get at the uh, cafeteria. And uh, then when you get to the end, there's another little old lady with a hairnet right there. And she's figuring up how much debt you have acquired. And so we did that that day. Cassie finally got the will of God. We got down to the end of the... Uh, the, the, the line there and the lady figured up our bill and she handed me the ticket. Now that was a debt that I owed. Would you say amen to that? Amen. That was my debt. I owed that money. You know how it works there. There are not many ways out of the K&W cafeteria. There's only one way out. And you got to go by one last little old lady. And she's sitting at the place where you settle all debts. The debt has to be settled before you leave the cafeteria. So after Cassie and I enjoyed our meal, we walked up to the last little old lady. We handed her the ticket. And she said, well, sir, according to this, you owe. And she told me the amount that I owed. But then I took out the gift certificate where someone else that loved me had already paid the price for me. And I presented that little old lady with that, with that gift certificate and she took the gift certificate and she compared it to the debt that was owed. You know what she was looking for? She was looking for to make sure that the price that had been paid was sufficient to cover the cost. And when she compared the price that had been paid with the debt that was owed, she discovered that the price that had been paid was more than enough. I'll never forget what that last little old lady did. She reached underneath the counter and she took out a rubber stamp and she dipped it down in a red pad of ink and then she stamped that debt with one word. It was Redeem. Do you know what the word redeemed means? The word redeemed means to purchase by paying a price. Why is it that I can stand this morning and extend God's invitation to whosoever? Why is it according to the word of God that we can come and take the water of life without cost and without price? I'll tell you why. We can drink freely. We can eat freely. We can be welcomed into the family of God because the debt has been canceled for sin. Jesus paid it all, all the him I owe. 
Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, all the expense of the invitation, the debt has been paid, the debt has been canceled for all those that say, I'll drink. And so I say to you in closing this morning, God extends a life-changing invitation to you. If you would open your ears of faith, you would hear the Spirit through the preaching of the Word of God. And the Spirit this morning says, come. The saints say, come. God extends this life-changing invitation to the nations of the world today. You've listened so well. Would you bow your head with me for prayer? Oh, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for this life-changing invitation. Father, I pray as Pastor Pope comes to close the service as he feels led to do so, that you would make this invitation real in the minds of these precious people here today. Lord, I have no doubt there could be someone in a number this size that has never taken you up on this invitation. Lord, I'm so thankful for yet another opportunity to stand and tell them that it's your will for them to be saved. Lord, you teach us in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Lord, I pray that we'd take you up on this life-changing invitation this morning. As the Spirit, as the saints of God, as the Scriptures, as the songs that have been sung today, say come. May that invitation fall on receptive ears and even more importantly, receptive hearts. And I'll give you glory. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. In just a very few moments, the pastor's going to come. He's going to conclude the service as as he feels impressed of the Lord to do so. But can I ask you before he comes, the most important question that you'll ever be asked in a lifetime. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? In fact, let me put it this way this morning. How many of you remember the time in your life. Oh, you may not remember the exact day, but you remember a time in your life when God said, come, and you accepted that invitation. If you can remember such a time, would you raise your hand with me this morning? Boy, I remember that. My life was changed forever as a result of it. That's wonderful. Thank you. You can put them down. 
far as I could tell, the greater majority of hands in the building were raised this morning. But you know, I couldn't help but notice there were a few hands that were not raised. And so can I tell you, Jesus loves you. If you're here and you're lost, maybe you're not sure about it. I want you to know Jesus loves you. As Pastor Pope comes this morning, can I encourage you to do what the Lord would have you to do? Father, give the pastor wisdom and discernment now. Thank you for his leadership. In Jesus' name, preacher. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. My, 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 what a message. What a message. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask... I'm going to ask our personal workers if they would just tiptoe down very quietly into the altar space this morning. And if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I want to go to heaven. I want you to know that. I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure that I would. Here's what I want you to do in just a moment. I want you to step out. From wherever you are right now, I want you to step out. And I want you to come. And we have somebody here with a Bible who would love to show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to spend eternity in a place called heaven. And so if you're here this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking just for a moment, and you would say, Pastor, I am not sure. I am not sure. As Brother Caldwell was asking that question, I am not sure about my eternity and I care enough to slip up my hand and and let you pray for me if that's you this morning right now that anybody looking would you just slip your hand up right now so I can pray for you how many are like that right now just slip that hand up would you wave it at me would you just sort of slip it up and wave it at me today man we want you to know Jesus today we want you to know the Lord so Father thank you for how you have ministered to us today, Lord, through the music. And now, Lord, through this amazing, amazing message. Lord, I'm so glad for the day that you've extended a welcome to me. And I am so thankful, Lord, that I did not turn a deaf ear to that invitation. Lord, I've had a lot of people tell me they've been sorry for things. But unto this day, I've never had one come to me tell me they were sorry they got saved. And so, Lord, today, I pray that you'll work in the hearts of those that are lost and undone without Christ. And I pray right now, Lord, that you'd give them courage. And I pray you'd give them faith to step out right now and to come and to accept that invitation of salvation. Father, have your way, please. And we thank you. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask you to do something else. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I am saved, but I have someone very close to me that's lost without the Lord. They're lost. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to tiptoe down to this altar just for a moment. And I'm going to ask you to mention their name down here in this altar today. If you're concerned about their soul, you're concerned about their eternity, I'm going to ask you just to come and just come come down to this altar and mention their name to the Lord That's right. Folks are coming already. Listen, if you're here, you say, preacher, preacher, I need that. I need that salvation. I need to be saved right now. 
right now, I want you to step out and please make your way to one of these men in the altar or ladies that has a Bible and they want to introduce you to Jesus Christ and how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. Would you come right now? Would you come? Oh, listen, would you come? Don't wait. Don't wait. I promise you it'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made to give your heart and life to Christ. Would you come? Folks are coming. How about you? Would you come? Would you come? Pastor, I am saved. When Brother Caldwell asked that question, I raised my hand. But preacher, I've gotten so far away from the Lord. I know that I'm saved, but pastor, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. I know I'm not. And the spirit that he preached about this morning has revealed that to me. I'm not where I need to be. I know I'm not. Hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you make July the 17th your day of rededication to the Lord? And today you would come and recommit your life to Christ. Would you do that right now with heads bowed and eyes closed? Would you come? Would you come? Preacher, that's me. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Would you come while we wait? You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I am saved. Man, I've been battling. I've been struggling with some things. Maybe you're struggling with depression. Maybe you've been struggling with discouragement. Maybe there's some type of an addiction in your life. And you say, Pastor, I need deliverance. I need deliverance. Hey, why don't you come right now? Would you come? And you find one of these folks in the altar that have a Bible right now. And they'll pray with you. And we're going to believe God for your deliverance. Amen. Would you come? Would you come? And the Spirit and the bride say come.